welcome to the Geek and Review Podcast. I'm Jeremy Pappas, alongside, as always, a man with a face for Telegraph, Mr. Russell Jones. Russell! Beep, 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 into the gulf to see which way it swings the last few tracks have been shanking it westward so there is a remote possibility that this thing could head our way but it's going to be a weak category one hurricane when it gets the coast eventually and i don't think that it's going to mean anything big you know for baton rouge i don't think it'll be a baton rouge storm yeah i think it'll be i believe they're talking about it hitting north carolina the hardest was the last track that i saw really so or wait no i'm thinking of another storm no you're you're, you're thinking of the atlantic storm yeah i'm thinking of the atlantic storm yeah isaac is cruising across i think it passed haiti it's cruising across cuba now this is the one that was teeing up on the republican national in tampa which i found hilarious yeah it's probably not going to really cause a whole lot of problems and if so it'll only be on monday let's sigh yeah it's the uh the other storm is the one that's uh that's heading toward north carolina Oh, man, it has been a week. Lots and lots and lots and lots of things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest, you know, it's kind of hard to pick the biggest thing that happened this week. Um, if you twisted my arm, I'd probably have to say it would be Apple v. Samsung. Yeah, that decision came down yesterday. Friday, yeah, Friday, pretty late Friday, actually. Uh, it came down on Friday. For those of you not in the know, that's good, uh, <laughs> and I'll explain why later. But uh, Apple and Samsung have been suing each other all over the world. Um, it kind of reminds me of that South Park episode. Um, Suing around the world. Yeah, <laughs> Russell Crowe fighting yep. around the world. They've been, uh, it's been Samsung, Apple suing around the world. Um, they've been all over the place. Apple says Samsung stole this from them. Samsung says Apple stole that from them. Some courts have ruled in favor of Samsung. Some courts have ruled in favor of Apple. Well, the big trial was the California trial, uh, which was the one that ended on Friday, and Apple won pretty hand. Well. Apple won pretty big. They essentially everything they claimed was ruled in their favor with the exception of one or two things. Now, don't get this twisted. In reality, let's let's stay in reality before we go into fantasy Apple world. Fantasy Apple Samsung world. Mm-hmm. In reality, Samsung didn't do anything wrong. Apple didn't do anything wrong. In reality, they're acting like tech companies have acted since the dawning of the tech industry. They're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. There are certain basic things that, if, if you originate a thing, like say you're the guy that invented shirts. You're just the guy that invented shirts. Well, your, your goal, if you're greedy, is to hold on to the shirt market and be the only person that builds shirts. So you can get all the shirt money but there are going to be other people out there that are going to make shirts and you're not going to be able to hold it's it's like it's like trying to herd cats you're going to try and keep it all in your in your area for as long as humanly possible what apple and sam what apple is essentially doing and samsung is pretty guilty of this as well but but it's really the it's really coming from apple because they they are the sort of progenitors of the 
of the smartphone. I'm sorry, they're the originators of the uh, of the smartphone. What they're essentially doing is, you being the shirt maker, would be suing people for making shirts because you invented sleeves. Or you invented the hole where your neck goes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're saying, you can't build this because we own these basic functions behind they're not taking no one's taking apple's logo no one's calling their their device the iTelephone or the e-phone or anything like that they're they're talking about very specific functions of a smartphone that while apple may have come up with it's not really something that in in reality as far as most people's perception is, you should be able to patent. It's a it's a thing like swiping, or things like that. Yeah, one thing that I read on Forbes mentioned that you know one of the central questions of the case is can you patent a certain type of rectangle? That's kind of one of the big things that people were watching in this case. Right. And as you mentioned, you know there are various courts that have ruled in various ways. In South Korea, for instance, South Korea ruled that both Apple and Samsung violated uh, patents or violated, yeah, patents from both companies. So Apple did something wrong and Samsung did something wrong. Well, no, that, was, both of them, that was Germany, wasn't it? No, that was South Korea. It was thrown uh, out of the German court. Right. Um, so they, and they awarded a paltry amount of damages as compared to what you see in the, mm. in the, um, in the California case. Now, you know, mind this you, was, Samsung that was a split is based decision. out of, Samsung is a Korean company. Yeah, Which... and that's something that was also brought up is the fact that you know in here there was a split decision in Korea where Samsung is from in in America an American court American jury an American company was handed you know a massive massive uh, award massive award yeah over a billion dollars yep and you know, like I said this. I'm a smartphone user. I'm not an Apple user, but that honestly does not make any difference here. It's this kind of thing annoys the shit out of me. And it's if you, we sometimes in, in the way we think about things, we sometimes think that, you know, these people are creating tech, you know, gadgets, you know, they're, they've got that kind of geek cred, that geek code, where that's not the way, but these are cold, bloodthirsty businessmen. Mm -hmm. And this stands as a stark reminder that while geekdom has a tendency to feed off of itself, it's very self-sustaining. That's not so much with these massive multinational corporations. You may love your iPhone and you may love Apple, but don't for a moment think that Apple is any different than any other company when it comes to really the, the, the top line and the bottom line. I mean, mm. they've, cra they've crafted a very specific image of being cool and being hip and, hey, we're, you know, Steve Jobs, he's the greatest geek that ever lived and blah, 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 blah. Don't ever buy that hype. And mm -hmm. that's that's and it's Samsung to the same. Uh, I I only pick on Apple because Apple is exceedingly well known, and they've really done something to marketing to market that image. Uh, I I mean, when you're trying to patent something like a certain type of rectangle, there's a there's an issue. You're getting into lady who spilled hot coffee on herself suing McDonald's for six million dollars. 
territory. Not actually the the facts are, uh, behind that case were uh, were not as egregious as they uh, they are made to seem uh, on first glance. But it's the best uh, it's the best example I can come up with. So the big question is, you know, what does this mean if you have a phone or if you have, you know, if you want to buy a phone in the future? At the moment, most of the t- most of the uh, things that were affected or in question were not current gen stuff like the Galaxy S3, you know, the big right. brand new stuff. Right. This is uh, some older phones. That doesn't necessarily mean that your stuff is going away or you won't be able to get these phones. There were no product bans at the moment as part of the award right. like you saw in South Korea. South Korea flat out said, you know, we're banning these products from the country. But there may be at some it, time coming up. Yes. I mean, if this was successful in on these questions, then you could see follow-up suits saying these other devices do the exact same thing, these newer devices do the exact same thing because this court ruled, there is precedent, they should be taken off the shelves. Uh-huh. So... At the moment, you know, on Twitter, Bill Cox, the senior director for marketing for Windows Phone, tweeted, Windows Phone is looking good right now. <laughs> here's here's really something you have to understand. The ultimate goal here for Apple, Samsung is just a stepping stone. The ultimate goal here for Apple is thermonuclear war against Android. Now, when and, I say thermonuclear and, war against uh, against, what did I say? Android. Yeah, Android. And um, I said in, in turn, Google. Right. Now, when I say thermonuclear war against Android, I'm not making that up. That's what Steve Jobs said he wanted to do, was thermonuclear war on, on the Android operating system. So that is going to happen at some point. There is yeah. going to be a massive Apple versus Google lawsuit that will shake the halls of justice. Because and it's already starting oh, yeah. because Apple has sued Motorola. They're owned by Google. Right. Google bought them, uh, let's see, back about a year ago. Uh, they forked over $12.5 billion for Motorola Mobility. And Samsung phones are all powered by Android. Right. So they're now going to, assuming this is the end of... Apple versus Samsung, they will step now to going against Google. Yeah. So we will see. I but this sort of thing, the whole thing just just makes me ill. I I think it is it's it's it hurts innovation in the marketplace. It is people attempting to make as much money as humanly possible with absolutely no thought about people and the industry as a whole. It's well, screw you, I got mine. Well, I have a I mean, I'm not so sh- I'm not so sure about the innovation thing just because the central argument is they're copying us. They're using stuff that is similar and familiar that everyone else uses and knows so that they'll sell their product. You know, they they sell some the iPad does so well, Apple's argument is they basically copied the stuff that we did with the iPad including the look, the feel and the function mm-hmm. so that people would buy their product. You know, it's it's copycat. It's right, not but, th- but that's what they want. Look at it this way: if the person that invented the television remote control sued and made it impossible for anyone else to create a television remote control, you're down to buying a TV with a remote control or a TV with a stick that allows you to change the channels. Which one do you buy? Yeah, it, it the, creates the people that create the TV with the stick that changes channels stop creating TVs. Yes, 
that's how it destroys it, you're taking very simple functions that should be considered universal like shirt you know shirt holes should be considered universal and they're trying to use litigation to keep people from producing competing products it's not a oh they took our rectangle and that's the only reason they're selling believe me if somebody was out were out there creating e-pads and e-phones i would be all for apple suing their pants off but that's not what they're doing. Well, no well, one is marketing a Samsung phone as an iPhone. iPhones don't even sell on the strength of their fucking build. <laughs> they sell on the strength of the little Apple logo on the back. I mean, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, they're bald, absolutely laid bare. All they're trying to do is suppress the marketplace to sell more iPhones. That is it. Oh, and iPhone 5 was announced recently, too. Yeah, so would, would it now be a bad time to bring up the fact that Macy bought a MacBook Pro this week and is very I, happy know, with I, it? I generally <laughs> don't have anything against many Apple products, specifically their, uh, their computers, their actual – I'm going to call it a PC because it is a PC. It's a personal computer. Their, their, their desktop computers or laptop computers. I use one at work. And I, I like them. I think they're good. The only problem I have is with Apple trying to is, – is what they've been doing recently primarily in tablets and phones. It's this, and then they make them all proprietary. When you're talking about a MacBook Pro or you're talking about you know a, a Mac workstation or something like that, it's not as proprietary. It's much more open. It's, it's much more you know like we like. So I would have a Mac at the house anytime. Mm-hmm. Anytime. I'm, I'm a fan. I really like them. It's what I used in school. I'm in uh, video production. And that is essentially the industry standard for most people. Some people using Avid and Premiere would, would disagree, but oh, this is my podcast. So <laughs> they, <laughs> I, I have nothing against Macs. I don't really have anything against Apple products with the exception of their, their, their portable line of tablets and phones. But that that's just that. I think it's good that Macy got a um, that Macy got an, an iBook. Yeah, MacBook, awesome. MacBook Pro. MacBook. Yeah. She's she's happy with it. Um, financed it pretty well. Uh, she went to the Apple Store to buy it, so she went through the whole Genius experience and the uh, the tech, the Genius Bar, and you know the mm-hmm. various things there. So she's enjoying that. Good. That is good. Uh, let's get off of something that it, uh, talking about. You know. I, We've I've been talking now about the whole geek industry, the the whole geek culture kind of feeding off of itself and doing good, and how this is the opposite of that. The absolute paragon of that is the oatmeal. The oatmeal is a web comic, but so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the whole thing where the uh, one company was suing and was was trying to sue a nonprofit organization, so they raised uh, over $200,000 on Kickstarter and gave it to... And it basically it took all of that money and gave it to... It was just a big, it was just a big slap in the face to the guy that was, sued, that was filing this frivolous lawsuit. Yeah, it was a dispute between the oatmeal and the website Funny Junk. Right. And this lawyer, Charles Carrion, came down and, and sent him cease and desist letters and threatened to sue him and all this. And um, yeah, he basically said, look, 
I'm going to take all this money that you want from me. I'm going to raise it. I'm going to take a picture of it. I'm going to swim in it. And then I'm going to send it to this charity over here that has nothing to do with you. And I'm going to draw a picture of your mom enjoying hippo sex or something like that because it's the oatmeal and that's what he does. Right. And uh, he did that. Now, recently uh, it came to the oatmeal's uh, knowledge and that's what he prefers to be called. So I'm going to keep calling him the oatmeal. He has a name, but whatever it, 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 Essentially, it came to his knowledge that the Tesla laboratory, he also did the whole How Tesla Was the Greatest Geek Ever um, infographic webcomic that everyone has seen and passed around and yada, yada, yada. He has taken, he finds out that Tesla's laboratory is about to be sold and likely torn down to create like something from an from an 80s, you know, from an 80s movie, some sort of, you know, they're going to tear down the rainforest and build like a strip mall or a Walmart or something like that. Well, he decides we're going to raise a million dollars or I'm sorry, we're going to raise eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which New York State will match with a grant and will buy Tesla's laboratory and we'll turn it into a Tesla museum. Uh, he did that in nine days, uh, which is which is kind of staggering. Insane. Yeah. He actually they they were looking for eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. What they actually managed to raise was over a million dollars. Right now they're at one million eighty four thousand five hundred eleven dollars. Uh, and he's going to leave the campaign running for the next thirty six days <laughs> because that's how long he has. Yeah. Um, and put all the rest of the money toward actually funding and and renovating Tesla's laboratory, which has has fallen into disrepair. Uh, but he, he raised a million dollars to buy this building in New York to turn it into a Tesla museum. And it's it's important to note that I believe his initial thing mentioned that there was another buyer at the table. So this does not necessarily mean because they've hit their goal, they're going to buy the place and turn it into a museum. I mean, they're going to try to, but there are still a number of different steps that have to be taken and, you know, hurdles that have to be passed and other issues. Right. So the organization that was, that is looking to buy or the, the people that he's working with to buy the, um, to actually buy the laboratory and the land that the laboratory sits on all ha- have now taken the million dollars and uh, moved into actually trying to buy it. So that will be updated, I'm sure, here very soon. Yeah. It's just an incredible thing, this this Kickstarter and this oatmeal thing. Yeah, I was actually – I'm reading an infographic that Indiegogo put together about you know the, the amount of uh, funds that were raised because mm-hmm. they did this on Indiegogo. Uh, it was essentially crowdfunded, but it wasn't an actual, you know, quote unquote Kickstarter. Oh, that's um, right. Sorry. I mean, yeah, but that's just it. Everyone that and if anything, that's how Kickstarter is, yeah. you know, doing so well is because everyone's calling crowdfunding Kickstartering now, you know, right. kind of like calling blogs tumblers. Right. Um, let's see. Over 20,000 people contributed from 102 countries. More than $450,000 was raised in the first 24 hours, averaging $100 a minute and 6000 per hour. Uh-huh. The money came from um, all pretty much almost the entire North and South American continents, minus a couple spots, a whole hell of a lot of Asia and Europe, Australia. All 50 states had contributors. Most frequently contributed amount was $25. Yeah, most people contributed at the $25 and $30 level. 
Largest single contribution was thirty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You had there were two uh, there were two milestones uh, for donation that were set at thirty-three thousand three hundred and thirty-three dollars because Tesla liked the number three, yep. and they sold out. He had two of them. Yeah. <laughs> so at least two people contributed that much. So yeah. They're going to get the money and quite possibly build a goddamn Tesla museum at Wandercliff. Which is, you know, it's an important thing. I mean, a lot's been made about Tesla and there have been people saying, uh, oh, you know, and there's the whole Tesla Edison thing. And whether you whether you find the infographic or the uh, the webcomic that the oatmeal did 100 percent truth or not, uh, I think. I think it's a tad skewed in places. Uh, it makes Edison look a little worse than he really was. Whether that's the uh, whether that's the case or not, uh, Tesla was a very important person. He was extra. I mean, he's he's up there with any other inventor at any other time in history. And this is this is needed, especially for someone as overlooked in history as Tesla was, because he was just. Tesla's problem, as I, as the webcomic, I believe, points out, it's been a long time since I've read it. I've read a couple of books on Tesla. His problem was that he didn't he knew, he didn't know how to market. He was brilliant. He could invent anything, but he didn't know how to market. So he would invent something, and then it would just sit there. And finally, someone would see it and go, "Do you have any idea what you're what you have?" And the guy's like, "Well, it was really cool." And then somebody else would market it. I mean, that was that was his. He was also he was also crazy through a yeah. good portion of his life, but. I mean, he's an extremely important person, and it's really nice to see extremely important people who just weren't good at marketing themselves actually get some recognition. Because on the flip side of that coin, we live in an age where extremely untalented people that are extremely good at marketing themselves pretty much rule the world. Yep. So, it's just a nice thing to see. I'm a big fan. And there's Uh, still time if you want to join in. Yeah. There are. Th- I'll I'll post a link to the Indiegogo page on the podcast uh, on our podcast page. If you want to donate, all of your money will be used, assuming they're able to buy the laboratory, will be used to uh, attempt or to to build and renovate the Tesla museum and or the Tesla laboratory and turn it into a museum. And so pay for exhibits and pay for all the other stuff. Right. So well. it's still a good thing to do, and there are, there are tons of um, of rewards and milestones that you can uh, that you can pick up so you should totally do that I'm a big fan uh, you posted something on my Facebook page about Madden oh yeah that that's right so Madden 13 is coming out and uh, the guys at video game writers I think gave it a pretty glowing recommendation but someone either at Best Buy or from I think it's EA. Someone uh, got a little got a little footloose and fancy free with their marketing material, and they accidentally copy and pasted a uh, a wrong bullet point into their uh, copy. Let me see if you can catch which one it is. The the, the copy uh, Madden. the features. Of, yes, features. Yeah. Features in Madden. Build a dynamic dynasty with expanded rosters, preseason cut days, updated rookie scouting, free agent bidding, hot and cold streaks, and more in franchise mode. Control the direction when kicking field goals by manipulating the integrated motion sensors. Execute slow motion chain kills. Pickpocket unsuspecting victims. Pursue your enemies in a canoe and more using the PS Vita's unique features. <laughs> Get started right away with this bundle that includes... Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I would play more Madden if you could execute slow motion chain kills. That's what I said. I was like, slow motion chain kills? That might actually get me interested in Madden. I have played Madden in the past, not not religiously. I have nothing against I have nothing against Madden. I don't I don't I, there are some people who have who have things against Madden. I'm not one of them. It's a football game. It it is fun. They come they're they're it's a really good football game. Uh, and I happen to like football, so I've played Madden on occasion, and it's pretty good. But I, it would be more interesting. It would remind me of the old... Uh, did you ever play Mutant League football on Sega Genesis? I remember seeing it, but I never got a chance to play Mutant it. Mutant League football, all the Mutant League games... Actually, I preferred Mutant League hockey. But Mutant League football, it was based on the Mutant League... I believe it was based on the TV series, though it may have been a comic. It's based on the Mutant League TV series, and it was... You played the game, except you could do things. In Mutant League hockey, there was Kill the Goalie, where you could put in a, a specific... You put in a specific button combination at a specific time, and you would go and kill the goalie, which would leave you... Which would leave an open goal for you to score through. Uh, but until they were, until they had a chance to put the goalie back together. And, uh, it was, it was just a lot of fun. And that is what that reminds me of. Because you could, you could legitimately kill people. You would get into, in Mutant League Hockey anyway, you could get into, uh, you get into fights and you would, you would fight and then you could like rip their heads off or, or knock their heads off, I guess. See, so. I remember playing all the time, um this cyborg baseball game on the NES that let yeah, you, yeah. you know, you could build different uh, types of robots. Some had tank treads and some had like floating balls and they had weapons and things like swords and lasers. And you, you know, if, if you, you had showdowns on bases as opposed to just catching them and, and putting them out. And if you beat down the other opponent, then you were safe, not out. And it was called base wars. Yeah. Base wars. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, killing my brother because it was so easy there was a broken there was a sword in the game that was broken because if you just stuck it out and held the other person on it it just continuously damaged them and they were unable to react <laughs> so i just charge in smash the guy with the sword and and he would just be stuck there my brother would start throwing the controller at me and go, you cheated, you and, then cheated. and then your brother got you back by being infinitely better at halo than you are well most people are infinitely better at halo <laughs> than i am your your brother is extremely good at halo if if memory serves. Yeah, when he was playing Halo. He was really, really good. Uh, he played America's Army for quite a while, actually, competitively. Hmm. Tons and tons of fun. Yep. Also, things posted on Facebook this week that were interesting. Um, the guys at Robot Chicken are making a new uh, animated series. It is ex- definitely Star Wars branded. It's called Star Wars Detours. And I was initially a little put off by this because it's, you know, at one point you have Darth, a, a very, a very, you know, cartoony looking Darth Vader saying things like, hey, yo, you guys should join the Empire and be down with that. You know, it's, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But it it's like a lot of things with robot chicken humor. If you, you know, it hits in some places and the hits are really good. And then the rest of it, you're kind of like, eh. Yeah, on the uh, on the trailer, which was posted on the StarWars.com uh, YouTube account, the top comment is, it's like Robot Chicken without the funny. Which, I, you know, I, I, I disagree. I, I think it is funny in many places. It's not, I, I don't, I would not say it's as funny as, say, Robot Chicken. 
But it it is it is funny. There are instances where I did genuinely laugh. So the animation is a little. I think that's really what's what's putting people at odds. Is it's it's the animation is a little weird. Um, it's it's very kind of faux little kitty anime is probably the best. I'm sure there's yeah. A it's not thing. quite. It's not quite chibi. It's a bit more. You know, everything's, you know, massive heads and big oversized. It's, it's just weird. Um, right. it, it is weird. And um, and the thing is that this is, I mean, after watching it again, I, I'm pretty sure it's definitely targeted to a younger crowd. It's not, it is not going to be Robot Chicken funny because there are a hell of a lot of things that they say on Robot Chicken and yeah. do on Robot Chicken that you cannot do on this. Right. Let's, uh, let's say, for instance, you know, the strawberry shortcake things they do with bitch pudding. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, and it, it definitely is going to be t- geared toward a younger audience. But you know, I'd probably throw it on the the DVR and watch it. There, like I said, there are in the uh, in the trailer that you and I'll link it on, on the podcast page. You can see for yourself. It is genuinely funny in in some. Now it's it's unfunny in probably as many places, but it's genuinely funny in many in many instances. Yeah, so, like I said, it hits and it hits and misses, right. but the hits can be pretty good. Yeah, so don't don't believe the hype of because people are going to any Star Wars product, people are going to hate on it because it's Star Wars and that's what we do. But give it a you know give it a shot, take a look at it. You might not like it at all, eh, but maybe you do. So it's it it is it is funny though. You'll get a laugh or two out of it at the very least. Uh, there's been some other TV kind of news stuff going on this week. Uh, I saw something that actually led me to two older posts that I had missed involving the Arrow, which is due out in October for the CW. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was announced this week that Jessica DeGao has been cast as the Huntress in Arrow, which also led me to find out that someone else had been cast in the Arrow that that a lot of people might care about, John Barrowman from Doctor Who torchwood and if you'll recall he was a singing nazi in the producers which <laughs> sounds bad but you have to see it yeah and, well yeah i mean it's the producers yeah yeah it's the producers it's been around long enough people are familiar and yeah. find but, um, singing nazis funny but jessica degau will be a potential love interest for uh oliver queen uh she's playing uh helena a fellow vigilante set on destroying her father's organized crime empire but helena's blind pursuit of revenge will put her on a collision course with the arrow so there has been you know if you're not familiar with the huntress the huntress started off as a villain and over time evolved mm-hmm. into a bit of an anti-hero and then just a full-fledged batman-esque hero in the new 52 she actually is literally related uh, to Batman and Catwoman, actually. She's their daughter and good friends with Power Girl, but they're from Earth 2. So there's alternate reality stuff going on with New 52. The basic thing you need to know about the Huntress is that she's, you know, a Batman-esque character, vigilante, mm-hmm. a quote-unquote normal uh, with a lot of gadgets and weapons and things. Yeah, and the pretty- original Huntress was Helena Wayne. Yeah. Uh, no relation. Uh, she did, however, work at a law at the law firm Cranston and Grayson. Um, one Grayson obviously is the same Dick Grayson uh, who was Robin. Yeah. Then they in the eighties she became Helena Bertinelli. Uh, they completely removed Helena Wayne from continuity. Uh, 
and she was Helena Bertinelli until Birds of Prey, which was in the early 2000s. And with New 52, like you said, she's back to being Helena Wayne, and she's uh, she is the um, adopted. Actually, in New 52, she was ha- Helena Bertinelli, but you find out that her Helena Bertinelli was actually, actually Helena Wayne the whole time in very nice soap opera-y movies. Because comics! Right. So that, that's um, the only excuse you have with half the continuity stuff that comes on. It's like, well, why? Because comic. Because she was actually this. Yeah. Um. She also had a brief fling with Nightwing at one point as uh, as Helena. As ugh, I don't remember. It's, just, I, don't know, it's I think it's as, yeah. It's it's as Helena Bertinelli. Yeah. She had a brief fling with Nightwing. So it's it's interesting. I don't know off the top of my head if she's ever had anything to do with Green Arrow, uh, which is obviously who Arrow is based on. Yeah. I don't believe... Maybe so. I don't I don't know. I genuinely... I have no idea. I can't... I've never seen anything in any of the comics. So I'm going to go ahead and say, say... Go ahead and say no. But it's interesting that we're getting Huntress as a possible romantic interest in Arrow and not who you would you would think you would get which would be someone playing black canary yeah and they have uh they have someone in the show playing dinah lance but right but i here's my theory on it this looks to be not smallville you know no supers this looks to be kind of more batman begins nolan isk you know mm-hmm. they're 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 actual people who achieve incredible things but they're not superhumanly endowed right, they're not and superhuman the huntress fits that model better than the black canary because the black canary has, has the sonic voice. scream and right right which, so which makes a lot of sense i i can see them leaving dinah dinah as a you know kind of a nod and maybe they do something else with her but they can't do a full-on black canary unless they just then they really turn change smallville yeah or, or unless they really change black canary right and personally i am more of a fan of the Nolan approach, you know, as opposed to the Smallville approach. Because we've had Smallville. We had entirely too much Smallville, in my opinion. And I'm fine never having anything like that again. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, I'm – I mean, I I am 100% in favor of that. Now, it being the CW, it's going to be – this is my problem with CW stuff, is they stay very specifically – young adult even in their adult even their adult offerings to me seem young adult um so and i'm i and i'll be honest i've never really been a big fan of the cw now i will i will watch arrow just to check it out uh but i will likely not i don't watch other cw things so here's here's a show that i would say actually kind of breaks that a little bit supernatural yeah, I do not. I don't like supernatural. I don't like. Well, yeah, but it definitely, it is not young adult uh, at all. Uh, I, I've watched. I've watched a lot of supernatural. Macy's watched a lot more of it. It is not young adult. Here's my. Yes, it is. But it still has those two. I, I any show that has like sexy stud leading men that you, that that are clearly designed for an audience usually of young females to kind of, you know, Oh my God, he's so cute. Ogle. Right. And, and then, I mean, the same goes for 
uh, any show that has a you know a female protagonist that's the same way that's really there, and you could tell that a good portion of is very much eye candy. Uh, to me, smacks of young adult. It just doesn't seem. It just doesn't seem serious. It seems like a teen. And I'm sure. I, and I know things happen in Supernatural that aren't that are adult. But it's still just. It always seems like it's like I'm watching like a young teen romance novel come to life. Or it's like I'm watching. I I, I don't mean this in a really super horrible way, but it's almost like I'm watching Twilight. Where you see Jacob and you see Edward and you know that it that I know as a guy that they're not having the effect on me <laughs> that they're supposed to have. On the, the whammy is pointed in a different direction. <laughs> exactly. They're, and I, I'm not I will agree. That. I will agree with that to an extent. Um, I kind of got the same vibe from looking at uh, the Being Human remake for the U.S. I watched the Being Human, you know. BBC stuff and it was fantastic Mm -hmm. and I just don't think and I think that that was more the direction you're talking about is more the direction that they were going with it uh, when they brought it over here Mm -hmm. the I think just chalking that up as as the ultimate you know influence with Supernatural is doing the show a disservice but I'll respect your opinion to disagree yeah I mean there are many I'm not saying that that is what Supernatural is about in the same way that that's what Twilight is about or Vampire Diaries. Or Vampire Diaries or Pretty Little Liars or any – okay. I'm not saying that that's what Supernatural is about because I have friends who like Supernatural. I also was not ever really a big fan of the X-Files or, or things like that. And, and I've tried to watch Supernatural. A good friend of mine, actually a, a friend of both of ours, Dusty, loves Supernatural. He's loved mm-hmm. it since it came out. He's seen every episode and he owns all of them uh, so far. I think they're they've, they're still it's – on, it's still on the air. Yeah. He owns all of the ones that are available on DVD on DVD. He loves Supernatural, and he obviously doesn't care that they're that they're you know hunky demon hunters or whatever you would consider them. They're demon hunters driving a big ass Impala and doing nothing but you know traveling around killing demons to to some really really nice old school rock. Yeah, just I just I genuinely see you say that, and it sounds like something I would love. I just can't get into it. Which, you know, I just yeah. can't get into it. It just does not – it doesn't do it for me. Just just can't get into it. So we've got Huntress who's going to be in it, that there's going to be a Dinah Lance, whether or not um, she actually becomes Black Canary or – Actually, I pulled up the Wikipedia. Did you know that Black Canary was in Smallville? Wouldn't surprise me. They kind of threw everyone in there at the end. Yeah, she was at one point in time in Smallville as Black Canary. Um, I'm not going to read this whole thing because I, I, I didn't really care for Smallville either. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just I have a real problem with – with I keep on to call them the WB. Maybe the I have a real problem with CW as I don't know why. I I, I just do. Uh, yeah, Black Canary was in Smallville. Interesting. Yeah, towards the end they were really throwing lots of different people in there. Uh, yeah, it was – according to this, it was in season seven. She was Dinah Lance. Yep. So the original Black Canary actually did not have the um, did not have the supersonic scream. Fun fact. Was just a uh... master martial artist. Yes. So we'll see. But she was uh, she was uh, she was Dinah Drake Lance, aka Dinah. She was Dinah Drake, aka Dinah Lance. Yeah. Weird. And this is Dinah Laurel Lance in the show. Right. So we've got 
Dynalance, we've got the Huntress. John Barrowman is supposed to be this mysterious wealthy guy who's an acquaintance of the Queen family and a prominent figure in Starling City, not Star City. Mm-hmm. And what that, you know, what that means for his character is probably that he'll be a bigger force in later seasons. Mm-hmm. He'll be more of a background mover and shaker for the first bit because I think this um crime uh lord whoever it is that the huntress is going after is going to wind up being the prominent villain for the whoever it is, this the, that all the queen kind of cuts his teeth on when he gets back no matter what i say about um the cw i'm still looking forward to seeing arrow and ha- i'm i'm wondering how much green arrow is going to get on the screen i'm as i as as we get more and more i'm I'm kind of thinking that there's going to be it's going to be less Green Arrow. Hey, that's Green Arrow. Awesome Green Arrow. And more we took Green Arrow to make a yeah. I'm just a CW hater today. I'm sorry. <laughs> to to make a CW show that you're not going to watch or like. And here's the thing. I I I think part of the problem may be that it's on the CW. I think if you were to do kind of like we did and watch Supernatural without the CW background radiation of promos for Pretty Little Liars and the little pop-up <laughs> thing at the bottom that says, "Hey, check out Vampire Diaries on next." You know, yeah. All if you, if you watch it without that, maybe you would see it from a different, you know, with a different filter. I think now, other otherwise, it's just pre predisposing you to just go on a rage because of all the stuff that's popping in in the background. Yeah, no, maybe so. I didn't really, I honestly didn't really care for it on, because uh, I, when I started watching Supernatural, and I gave Supernatural a, a, a good old college try, okay? Yeah. I tried it. <laughs> I, uh, I I watched, I want to say like the first six episodes on DVD, and by the sixth episode, I was really, I really did not want to watch the next one. <laughs> I was just hammering my head into the t- into the table. Please don't make me watch another one. Please. And everyone told me the same thing. Everybody, oh, people no, tell. What's the first past the first season? It gets so much better. Get past the first season. It gets so much better. You know what? I I don't care. <laughs> That's like eat through this th- this three foot thick yard of shit. At the bottom is ice cream. <laughs> you know what? The shit is enough to turn me off. The reward it, is not worth. Yeah, exactly. The slog. You're right. The the solution is not worth tackling the problem. I just. Ugh. I just can't I just can't do it. I maybe I would like it. Maybe I should pick it up in the second season and just but but I'm so much of a completionist that I'd want to see the whole thing. So you can in my opinion you can skip to a little bit of the end of the first season and then that gets you into the second season and you'll be just fine. <laughs> At this point <laughs> I honestly don't even care enough to try. Right. I just I just don't care enough to try. <laughs> well, another uh, production that looks like it may not even be able to get off the ground for people to even try is The Dark Tower. Um, there was some news recently that Russell Crowe may have been attached onto, you know, to play Roland. Javier Bardem was the guy who was going to play Roland initially, but then the project was canceled due to budget issues, came back on, was going to be on HBO, 
and then was postponed indefinitely. The this is the you know the Dark Tower book series by Stephen King mm. translated into a movie trilogy with TV series more miniseries filling in the gaps between the movies. So imagine if you had Avengers 1, 2, and 3, and then you had the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series filling in those gaps between those movies. Right. So that's basically what you would be doing with The Dark Tower, because fitting seven books worth of stuff on the screen is just, you know, that's a Harry Potter-esque uh, endeavor, and you're unfortunately not going to get that with The Dark Tower brand, because it's just not Harry Potter. Yeah. But, um... And here's another, I mean, here's... Here, here, I think that that's a great idea, but the it doesn't fit like you said it doesn't fit the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't it just doesn't go with Dark Tower because you're going to get a Dark Tower movie, which you expect to be you know Stephen Kingy. It's gritty. It's it's very serious. It's very and you can't really translate that to anything but HBO. Yeah, I mean if you try and put it on network TV, which you're going to do because that's where the money is. You're not going to be able to do the Dark Tower the way you want to do the Dark Tower, and then it's gonna you're gonna have you know uh, ups and downs, and you know I I just don't think that method that it's a little too it's a little too ambitious for the Dark Tower, and I don't yeah. mean that in a bad way. Dark Dark Tower, I I will be the first person to admit I am not a fan. I have not read it. Most of my friends love the Dark Tower. This sounds like a broken record. Most of my friends love the Dark Tower. I just I've never even attempted to read it. So I might love it. It's just something one of those things that I've just never gotten. I've just, just never really gotten into. You've just become kind of a contrarian to, to most of the most of the people you surround yourself with. Well I don't hate it. <laughs> I'm not a contrarian. If someone goes, I'm reading the Dark Tower, I'm like, oh Jesus, really? It's not like somebody said, Oh, I'm reading Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, I don't hate it. I'm point, sure it's you good. Over the head with a book. I'm sure it's good, um, but this is bad fiction. <laughs> I I don't even want to talk about that. Um, I, I I don't even want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I I don't have any problems with the Dark Tower. I'm just not familiar with it. But I know enough of it to know that it's just it's just not an intellectual property. You're going to be able to make this behemoth, you know, entertainment. Almost like an entertainment, its own entertainment brand out of. Yeah. You're just, you know, Harry Potter, you could do that. A Harry Potter TV show, done well, not done by the CW, would completely <laughs> blow people away. And it would do incredibly well. Um, I don't That's think it'll happen. The Avengers TV show will do. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. I'm interested. I hope it is. Now, did we ever get confirmation that it was about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or do we still just think that it's. They said that it was going to be a. Um, a cop show, like a like a very heavy cop show. So we're assuming Which, like, that it's Agents of Shield, because that's it's. Yes. We talked about that uh, two weeks ago or last week, one or the other. We talked about that, and that has pretty much now taken in my mind. I'm like, I can't really, I can't wait to see the Shield TV show. Yeah, it's gonna come out, and it's gonna be some like B list. It's gonna come yeah. out, be like some B list superheroes being like detectives, and we're gonna be like, shit, I wanted the Shield TV show. I've talked myself yeah. up. I fucking Colby Smolders is going to be available, likely. <laughs> there were rumors that uh, how uh, how I met your mother was coming to an end, and it doesn't. And th- there's still a chance, but that's not for certain. Though I did hear they're going to do How I Met Your Father at one point in time. Did you hear about that? No, I hadn't because as <laughs> the show the show is is decent comedy, but frankly, it it 
the uh, the premise is kind of dragging on a little long on me. I I tend to agree. I mean, this is why this is why I think more people should adopt the method that they use in Britain, where they have a set definite you know time for a TV season. series. You, un- unfortunately, with commercial networks, you can't do that. Yeah. Because again, this is there's a there's a theme developing to this podcast. Again, people are going to want to make as much money as humanly possible, and you they want to create art that's special to get a huge following, and then they want to beat it to death. That's the goal of every uh, that's the goal of every entertainment company is they want to grab some creative person and go be creative and make people love things, and a person goes hey here you go ta da and it's great and people really start latching onto it, and then more often than not they shove that creative person out of the way, and they're like how can we exploit this nugget that people like to get as much money out of it as humanly possible, which I guess we're going to bring in 10 other people who are somewhat watered down and they're going to basically take his thing and replicate it 500 times. And it's what should have lasted four seasons. We're going to make last seven seasons until the seventh season. It's only pulling, it's pulling 33% of the ratings it was pulling at its height. But you know what? 33% of a hit is still better than the other shit you're watching on NBC. And then and eventually it's going to be canceled with no fanfare and we'll never talk about it again and people yeah. will have grown to hate it that's the way things work yep so now there are exceptions to this rule um bill waterson is an exception to this rule the uh comic behind uh calvin and hobbs bill waterson drew calvin and hobbs as long as he wanted to he never allowed it to be marketed Ever. Yeah. There's no Ever. such thing as Calvin and Hobbes merchandise. If you have Calvin and Hobbes merchandise, it is uh, it is uh, pirated. The only thing that you can buy that is officially Calvin and Hobbes are treasuries of the strips. Mm-hmm. That is all. There are no dolls. The little Calvin pissing on various things is not officially licensed and never has been. Uh, in fact, that image of Calvin pissing on something was never drawn by Bill Watterson. And when he was done, he stopped drawing it. And people were like, no, but you're really popular. Nope, I'm done. Yep. And you're done. And he doesn't really even talk about it. Nope. Because that's how you do things. That's how creative people do things. You hold on to what you've created because it's your child for dear life. And once you once you believe that it has it has reached its end, if you're an intelligent enough person to understand that things must end... Then you say, you know what? Now we're done, and people can be pissed off. They can, you know, they can pull a, an Arthur Conan Doyle on you and force you to revive Sherlock Holmes. But you shouldn't. You should leave him dead. <laughs> because I'm actually, that's I actually the went, end. I actually went digging to see if there was anything, anything merchandising related because I thought there. I, I remember reading quite a bit about the um, the merchandising and syndication stuff uh-huh. that Watterson went through in his in his treasuries. Uh, almost no legitimate merchandise exists outside of the book collections. Exceptions include Some, two uh, 16-month calendars. There is a textbook, Teaching with Calvin and Hobbes, which has been described as perhaps the most difficult piece of official Calvin and Hobbes memorabilia to find. Really? There, there was a postage stamp uh, as part of a comic strip series put up by the U.S. Postal Service. Um... Yeah, otherwise that's it. The rest of it is all counterfeit stuff. Right, very special things. And he's drawn Calvin and Hobbes a few times for charity, but it's it's been very it's very special things. You know, like a calendar is going to be 
you know, it's images from the strip with a calendar underneath it. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, and you look at somebody, you look at Watterson and go, you know, he basically said no to millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And what did he get out of it? He got out of it. The thing that he created is revered by people. Yeah. It is almost a religion to people. Calvin and Hobbes. Meet a Calvin and Hobbes guy. It is almost, you, you cannot talk to anybody who has seen that, 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 uh, comic that was created, uh, that was stitched together from Calvin and Hobbes comics where, uh, Calvin talks about his parents putting him on medication and then, and at the end Hobbes turns into a, like a stuffed tiger and how many people are like, when I saw that, I almost died. I mm-hmm. was so I was so ridiculously sad because a lot of people thought that that was the way that he ended the or a lot of people erroneously thought that was the way that he ended the strip because nope. that's the way it was promote that's the way that it was put out there was hey the actual last you know strip that no one wanted you to see and blah 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 that is not true the yep. the last strip is the Lexio exploring strip yeah um, and, and he has created by not taking all this money and not and I hate to say selling out because it makes me sound like a hipster by not selling out in mm-hmm. the truest sense of the word, he has created something that is absolutely revered and cannot be touched. You can't do anything. You, you can't touch it. There's nothing you can do to impact Calvin and Hobbes. You can't make it any less beloved period. You just can't do yep. it. So, which is pretty interesting. We have a couple of minutes uh, left, and I want to end the podcast on a very uh, completely different note that no one is expecting. What the fuck is wrong with Randy Travis? (laughs) Seriously. Okay, you remember a couple of weeks ago, Randy Travis was arrested drunk and naked on, uh, he was like on a highway, I want to say, or an interstate. Yeah. Um, and everyone's, and he's all, he's got that mug shot and he looks all fucked up and he's drunk and naked from the guy who wrote forever and ever. Amen. Drunk and naked. Okay. Ah. The guy that your grandmother probably loves. So I find out about, a, it was posted about a day ago and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, post this on the podcast page. He's been arrested again. <laughs> yep. For, a, for getting into a fight with a woman's husband at a church <laughs> in Texas. What the fuck is wrong with Randy Travis? Could he not just just continue playing <laughs> performing art centers and low budget fairs and cashing those $15,000 checks and calling it good? Yeah, there's some there's some questionable stuff about that arrest. Um, this I'm reading says that initially it was believed he you know got drunkenly involved with an argument between uh, um, a wife his, and a husband. Yeah, and protect the the but but it's kind of starting to come out that that might not be the case. Right, because people are saying that he assaulted the husband. Yeah, and police are backing away and saying that they made no mention of alcohol in their reports, even though TMZ reported that. Right, and uh, of course you can't. I mean, it's just you're Randy Travis. Yeah. What? I just ah, I don't understand it. I mean, he's he's got this he's got this great image 
of this, you know, this country singer. I mean, he's pretty much the quintessential country singer. If you're if you're going to make fun of a country singer, you're probably going to do a Randy Travis impression. Yeah. And he's What the hell is wrong with Randy Travis? Like what's he doing? Is he going to uh, like what's he doing? What how do you how do you do that? How do you run into that? Has that happened to anybody else ever? You just and I understand like you get people like your uh, like your what's his name the British actor who was caught with a prostitute. Um, uh, crap, 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 crap. Really famous. I can't remember his name, partially because I'm not a 35 year old woman. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh well, British actor Hugh Hugh Grant Hugh Grant Hugh Grant. Um. That happens occasionally. Hugh Grant has that sort of befuddled charisma, and then he's caught with a prostitute. But Hugh Grant didn't then turn around and you know kick a tranny prostitute out of his car going fifty miles an hour down the car, down the road. I mean, he kind of shrunk back. I mean, Randy Travis is fucking going for broke. I just I wonder what the next thing to have happen on the Randy Travis um, fucked up merry-go-round is going to be. I'll be watching for it. That's that's pretty good, almost as good as Prince Harry's trip to Vegas. <laughs> I if, saw that. If you hadn't read about that, I mean, yes, naked pictures of Prince Harry playing strip billiards, yes. Okay, that's bad. Challenging Ryan Lochte won the U.S. gold medal to a swimming race. Yeah, he lost. Um, I, my favorite pictures were probably the pictures of him absolutely just out in the out checking out the chick in the bikini. I mean, it's not it's not there's no there's no mistaking what he's doing, yep. which I don't I don't fault the guy. I mean, it's Vegas and the chick's in a bikini. I mean, one plus two makes. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's just funny to get like seven pictures of him going. Damn. <laughs> Oh, oh I lo- I, honestly, I, I love the guy. I think he's awesome. He's a prince. He's in the military and he goes to Vegas and just fucking l- goes crazy. That's what I do. I mean, the guy's in the he's in the military and he's a prince. I mean, I, I, you know, he doesn't get special treatment in the military. He and grows he's a up his tank in- guy, isn't he? Right. Oh, yeah. He grows up and he lives in absolute the most. Lu- I mean, he lives in the most luxurious setting you could live in. And he goes into the military and not as like a general. But as like a tank guy, he just goes to the like, man, I want to do the military. And if he wants to go to Vegas and get drunk and naked and uh, challenge Olympic athletes to swimming meets and and uh, probably bang half a Sunset Strip, fucking let him do what you want to do, brother. You shine on, you crazy diamond. I'm completely for that. Hold on, let me go get my Queen does not approve <laughs> meme from the Olympics. Oh no. <laughs> that's that's all the time we have on this train that has completely derailed itself. <laughs> uh, as always, if you are interested in any of the many topics we covered today, you can follow us on Twitter. That's at GIR Podcast. You can also shoot us an email if you can type uh, GIR Podcast at gmail.com. As always, our music is Opprop featuring Esset, the best in Norwegian hip hop. Check them out on uhor.no. Thanks for listening. We do not approve. 